So this is lesson 32. And we are now in chapter 10. We're moving right along here. And uh, what we learned about the start of chapter 10 last week is that chapter 10 starts out with 13 verses that are linked together like a chain that can't be broken, can't be separated. They're linked together uh, all by the word for. And these verses are an explanation and proofs of something that Paul stated at the close of chapter 9. He stated this in verse 30 through 33. He says, What shall we say? That the Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained it, a righteousness that is by faith, but Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, has not attained it? Why not? Because they pursued it not by faith, but as it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone, as it is written, See, I lay a stone in Zion that causes men to stumble, a rock that makes them fall, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. So the keys here are the Gentiles are finding justification before God through faith in Messiah Yeshua, and Israel, who pursued a law of righteousness, righteousness has not. Why? Because they pursued justification by works, not by faith. In other words, they've missed the Messiah Yeshua. So now in chapter 10, he's going to explain further how they missed the Messiah and how Yeshua is the point at which they stumbled. You see, the point he ultimately wants to make is something that he has not stated yet. And the point he wants to make is that he knows the Gentiles are to play a huge role in the salvation of the Jewish people. And he'll state that later in chapter 11. They are to inspire jealousy in the Jewish people. You know, the great thing about this letter is that we're able to read ahead in the letter. And so we can see the whole garden path he's leading them down before he ever gets there. So... He spent chapter 9 telling the Romans how loved the Jewish people are by God and that they miss the righteousness of God. And so he says then in chapter 10 and verse 1, Brothers, it is my heart's desire and prayer to God for the Israelites is that they may be saved. Okay, so they missed the righteousness found in the Torah. And Paul says, brothers, it's still my heart's desire that they be saved. In other words, that they find the righteousness found in the Torah. A righteousness that is by faith in the Messiah Yeshua. Is Yeshua, is faith in Messiah Yeshua found in the Torah? Well, yes, it is. The Torah shows us by example. It tells us how Abraham found righteousness by faith. It tells us how Isaac found it, how Jacob found it. And if we go outside to the Torah, it tells us how David and others found it. We could go on and on. And last week we noted that he starts this sentence by calling the Romans brothers. Just as he started chapter 9 in his defense of the Jewish people by calling the Jewish people his brothers. Listen to what chapter 9 verse 1 through 4 says. I speak... The truth in Messiah, I'm not lying. My conscience confirms it in the Holy Spirit. I have a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Messiah for the sake of my brothers. 
those of my own race, the people of Israel. And what we learn here is that Paul is trying to instill this same brotherly love he has for his people Israel into these Romans. And he does that in part by calling them both brothers. We're brothers. Remember, in the five years that the Jewish people were expelled from Rome because of anti-Semitism, the Roman followers of Yeshua have lost connection with the Jewish people that they once had. You know, we can reasonably be sure that before the expulsion of the Jewish people, the Jewish people were the teachers in the congregation. They were the leaders of the congregation. But after five years, these Romans have had to go it alone. They've lost connection with the Jewish people. They've lost the understanding. And the new Roman Gentiles, some of these new Roman Gentiles have taken the role of leaders in the congregation. And if I know leaders, once appointed, they're not excited about anybody coming back and taking back that role, taking their place. And believe me, I know leaders. They're quick to take the job but they're slow to move on. Where, where he said in verse 1 of chapter 10, it's my heart's desire and prayer. If you look at that word desire in the Greek, it means desire, but it also means purpose. The apostle to the nations, he's the apostle to the nation and he still sees it as his ultimate purpose and God's order that the remnant of the Jewish people be saved. And now he's going to go into why these Gentiles should be so concerned and why they should see Israel as their brothers. And also he's going to tell them how they miss the Messiah and explaining the righteousness that is by faith. So he has this unbroken chain of fours. Right? The next one says, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God but not in accordance with knowledge. You see, the first reason is they have the same love and zeal for God as we do. And when I say we do, I mean those who are in Messiah. However, they don't have the knowledge that those who are in Messiah do. The knowledge of being, being of course, that Yeshua is the way to true right standing with God. Why not is our next four. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. They did not find the righteousness in the Torah, which is the Torah, which is the righteousness that the Torah speaks of, but it's really only found in Messiah Yeshua. Because the Torah speaks of it, as we're going to see today. The good news that is brought into the world is through Messiah Yeshua. Instead of faith in the redemptive work of Messiah Yeshua, they focused on keeping the Torah and specifically by their own works. Their own works of the Torah were the additional laws established to keep people from violating the Torah. What they fail to see is our next four. For Messiah is the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. 
They failed to see it is Messiah that is the goal of the Torah, that God gave the Torah first to make us aware of sin. We were told that in Romans chapter 3, verse 20. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. He also gave the Torah to make us aware that the wages of sin are death. And he also gave us the offerings in the Torah to show that God required a life for a life. You see, they should have realized what David said in Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. He said, Sacrifice and offering thou did not desire. Mine ears thou hast opened. Burnt offering and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then I said, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, Thy law is in, within my heart. You see, the point being is they missed the Messiah. They were so focused on establishing their own righteousness that they missed the righteousness found only in the justification brought about by faith in the Holy One of God. So the next four will explain further. See how each one of these fours explains a little bit more. The righteousness found in the Torah and about Messiah being the goal of the Torah, and he's going to prove with the next four that Messiah is the goal of the Torah and the righteousness that's found in the Torah. And so he says, Messiah is the goal of the Torah for Moses writes that a man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness, but the righteousness based on the based on faith, speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Messiah down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth, in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess by your mouth that Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Listen, this is the longest of the fours. Remember, it's eight fours, but 13 verses. And this is why. This is the longest one. It has a total of five verses, and it contains two quotes from the Torah. It quotes Leviticus chapter 18, verse 5, and Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 12 through 14. Now, let's reason together. Because we should all see something fishy here. If Paul meant that Messiah is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for those who believe, thereby nullifying the Torah as it's interpreted in most churches today, how is it then that he quotes the very thing that he just said is ended? Namely, the Torah. To prove what he just said. Does that make sense? Well, I, might, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. To what can we liken it? I tried to liken this to something this week. It would be like a police officer who's been removed from the force, who has no authority, who has been stripped from authority. It would be like us going up to him, knowing all of that, and asking him to arrest somebody and take him to jail. He's saying the Torah, if he's saying that the Torah is no longer has any authority, why does he quote it? Instead, why doesn't he quote directly the words of Yeshua to show that he has replaced the Torah 
Well, I can tell you why. There's no words of Yeshua to quote. Messiah Yeshua never said anything that even resembled that he was going to end the Torah. What did he say? He said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he says, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, till heaven and earth disappear. Not the smallest letter, nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the Torah until everything is accomplished. Right? Are heaven and earth still here? Have they disappeared? Second, I mean, let's be real, by the very fact that he has to quote Torah to show, shows that it has not ended. Just as Yeshua said, it will never end. And with that in mind, let's put our verse back up here because I want to focus on one little word in this verse that makes a huge difference. You know, I'm going to be putting this passage up here several times today because this is one of the harder passages in the book of Romans to understand. Now let's put it back up here and read it again. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on law shall live by that righteousness. But the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven that is to bring Messiah down or who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. If you confess with your mouth Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you see the one word there? I I put it in red so you couldn't miss it. But... That's an interesting word in the Greek. It's the Greek word day. And I put it up here. I put the meaning of it up here for you. And I want you to notice that I highlighted two other words in red. And and but. Now I can't imagine a word that can be translated either and or but. But this Greek word day can be translated either and or but. Well as you can imagine in this instance... The choice of but over an and makes a huge difference in how the verse is going to be perceived by its readers. Now I want you to think about something for a moment. If you were of the mindset that the law had come to an end, as in complete, over, and done, which would you use in verse 6 to show that Yeshua was the end of the law? Would you use the word but, which seems to contrast Or would you use the word and? Moses says the righteousness that is by the law, but the righteousness based on faith is contrasting the two, right? Or would you want to say Moses says the righteousness that is by the law and the righteousness based on faith, showing the continuity between the two? To show the Torah was ended, of course, you would want to use the word but. Right? However, if I were trying to show that the Jewish people were so focused on being righteous by works of the Torah that they had missed Messiah Yeshua and the true righteousness found in the Torah and the goal of the Torah was Messiah, which would I want to use? I'd want to use the word and. Right? If I want to show that the faith in Messiah Yeshua and following in his footsteps are also the way to live by the Torah, I would want to use the word and. 
to show first Messiah in the Torah and second the continuity of the Torah with Moses and that Messiah who is the word made flesh is the word made flesh, I would want to use the word and, wouldn't I? If I want to show that the good news of Messiah Yeshua is found in the Torah but the Jewish people missed it, again, I'd want to use the word and, right? If Messiah is the goal of the Torah and I would want to show the Messiah in the Torah as the means of obtaining righteousness and living by that righteousness rather than the difference between the two, I would want to use the word and, showing the continuity, right? I would want to show Messiah in the Torah and that he is the righteousness that God was trying to convey to us all through the Torah. That it's not by works of the law that keeps us living righteousness, but it's by faith and walking with the Messiah, Yeshua, his, the word made flesh, that keeps our walks righteous. And so I'd want to use the word and. Let's read it that way. For Moses writes that a man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness, and the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. See, the next thing you have to ask yourself, if you were trying to contrast Messiah and the Torah, showing that the Messiah was the end of the Torah, you would, would you use a quote from Leviticus and contrast it with a f- quote from Deuteronomy? Of course not. You'd use a quote from the Torah and contrast it with a verse of Yeshua, wouldn't you? Yeah, right? However, if you were trying to show that Messiah was the goal of the Torah and the righteousness in the Torah that Israel missed, then I would want to use two quotes exclusively from the Torah. And what does Paul do? He uses two quotes from the Torah. Paul is saying this, that the man who practices the righteousness found in the Torah will live by that righteousness and he'll never have to say... Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Messiah down, or who will descend to the abyss, that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That's the word of faith we're preaching. Paul is saying that the Messiah is the goal for living righteously because your acceptance of him puts God's word in your mouth and in your heart. Amen? Amen. So let me ask you, do you want to keep the Torah and live a righteous life? Well, you should because Moses says, the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness. Well, if you do, Put your faith in Messiah Yeshua, the living word, and you will live righteously as he did. Paul is giving us his commentary on Torah. He's doing for the Romans the same thing we did a few years ago in the study of finding Messiah in the Torah. He's showing that the man who practices righteousness found in the law will have that righteousness in his heart and in his mouth, just as Moses said. And the way to do that is through Messiah Yeshua. 
You know, the Targum says something very similar on this passage. And I want to read the Targum on this passage, which we should all know is the Aramaic translation of the Torah. And the great thing about the Targum is that it was written before Paul, and so it contains clues as to what they thought about the Torah in Paul's day. Well, if you look in the Targum, there's an Aramaic word, which is the word memra. And it means literally the word. That's what it means, the word. And the disciples saw this word memra as a reference to the Messiah because it's used throughout the Targum in place of humanizing God. Anytime there was a phrase that would humanize God, they would, they would use the term memra or shekinah in place of the name of God. So these words became words used for the human aspect of God. Now let me ask you something. Who's the likeness of God made flesh? Messiah Yeshua. Now I want to show you, uh, before we read Deuteronomy 3, I want to show you just exactly what I mean. Because it's so clear if we read John 1 through 5. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, the light that shines in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. That's the f- now I want, next I want to read the first five verses of Genesis, and let's compare the two. Listen to what it says from the Targum. From the beginning with wisdom, the Memra of the Lord created and perfected the heavens and the earth. And the earth was waste and unformed, desolate of man, beast, empty of plant cultivation and trees, and darkness was spread over the face of the abyss. And a spirit of mercy from before the Lord was blowing over the surface of the waters. And the memra of the Lord said, let there be light. And there was light according to the decree of the memra. And it was manifest before the Lord that the light was good, and the memra of the the memra of the Lord separated the light from darkness. Pretty similar, aren't they? John saw the memra, or we could say the word of the Lord in the Targum, as the Messiah. Yeshua is the memra at creation. And he was made flesh and dwell among us. Now, I know we've covered this before, and a lot of you are sitting here, I'm looking bored. But, you've got to remember that there's a lot of people out in TV land that haven't heard this before, so bear with me on some of these things. Now that we understand this word memra, we're going to read a passage that Paul quotes in Deuteronomy 30 from the Targum. Listen, we should all realize as we read this as well that Deuteronomy chapter 30, if you read it, speaks of the restoration of Israel. After she's gone astray and she's returning to the Lord, what a perfect passage for what he's trying to convey, that God is not done with the Jewish people, right? Now I'm going to read verse 8 and then I'm going to read verses 10 through 13 and listen to what it says. Now you will again accept the memra of the Lord and observe all his commandments which I issue you this day. Verse 10 says, Because you accepted the memra of the Lord, your God, to observe 
his commandments and his ordinance that are inscribed in this document of the law. For you return to the reverence for the Lord your God with your entire heart and your entire soul. For this commandment I'm prescribing you for you today is neither hidden from you nor is it far from you. It's not in the heavens that you should say who will go up for us into the heavens and take it for us and proclaim it to us that we may observe it. It is not yonder beyond the great sea that you should say who will cross over for us to the other side of the great sea and take it for us and proclaim it to us that we may observe it. Rather, the matter is close to you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart to observe it. You see, Paul is telling them that the word of faith, in other words, faith in the living word, the Messiah Yeshua, the memra of the Lord, is how the righteous man will walk out God's Torah. You can't live righteous without Messiah Yeshua. Paul is saying that the righteous man will live righteously by the law, and it's not too hard. He doesn't have to say who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Messiah down, because Messiah came down from heaven. He's the Memra, the word of the Lord at creation. He's come down to fulfill the Torah for us, just as he told us in Matthew chapter 5. Paul is saying that the righteous man will live righteously by the law, and it's not too hard. He doesn't have to say who will descend into the abyss that is to bring Messiah from the dead because Messiah is already raised from the dead. The first fruits of the resurrection. And not only is he resurrected, but now that he has done what he needed to be done and justified you, he has fellowship with you. So the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That's the word of faith we're preaching. How do you get the word so near you that it's in your heart? Well, Jeremiah told us. Listen to what Jeremiah said. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant which I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, although I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my Torah within them and on their heart I will write it. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they will not teach again each man his neighbor, and each man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they will all know me from the least to the greatest of them, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. What is the new covenant? Yeshua told us. He's the new covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood. That's the word of faith. Messiah Yeshua, the living Torah in you. And you in Messiah. Living righteous lives through him. And the word of faith is no different from that which Moses preached in the Torah. The righteousness of God is written there. And the means to living that righteousness is prophesied there. But understand The word of faith is exactly the Torah of Moses. That's why he quotes Torah to show you. 
Right? Right? No amens? Where's David? The word of faith is exactly what the new is exactly the new covenant that Jeremiah speaks of and the same being in Messiah that Paul so meticulously made clear in the first eight chapters. Now let's read I want to read Romans once more chapter 10 from the beginning through verse 9 and see how much more sense it makes. I've also put a few words in here in parentheses so it make it a little easier for you. Brothers, my heart's desire and my prayer to God for them is for their salvation. For I testify about them. They have, the, they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. For not knowing about God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own, they did not subject themselves to the righteousness of God. For Messiah is the goal of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes that the man who practices the righteousness which is based on the law shall live by that righteousness and the righteousness based on faith speaks as follows. Do not say in your heart who will ascend to heaven, that is to bring Messiah down, or who will descend to the abyss, that is to bring Messiah up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It's in your mouth. It's in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth, Yeshua is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. How beautiful is that? How beautiful are the feet of him who brings good news? And let me say, Paul must have some beautiful feet because he just laid out the good news for us. Let's go back to John, this time with verse 14. Chapter 1, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth were realized through Yeshua the Messiah. No one has seen God at any time, only the begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. He, he has explained him. Paul is saying the same thing. John is saying here, the Torah was given by God through Moses and the truth of that Torah was realized through the Messiah Yeshua. The grace spoken of there and by the prophets was realized through the Messiah Yeshua because Yeshua is the goal of the Torah. He is the grace of God made manifest to us. And we should not be surprised by that word but, the big but in verse 6 of today's lesson, that it contrasts the righteousness of the Torah with faith in Messiah Yeshua. Because not only in this verse, but in every teaching, almost every teaching of the church, we have contrasted for us the righteousness of the Torah with the faith in Messiah Yeshua. Replaced by, the, by faith in Messiah Yeshua. When in fact... Faith in Messiah Yeshua is the beginning of righteousness found in the Torah. 
the truth of the Torah. It is the very first step in understanding the truth of the Torah. Messiah Yeshua is the word of God made flesh who came and dwelled among us so that he could show the way, giving us example through his life. Then he died, but he did not decay. No, he resurrected from the dead and he's returned to indwell us. Faith in Messiah Yeshua is the Torah fulfilled in us. And no, not in the sense that it's no longer applicable, but in the sense that Messiah's ongoing presence in our hearts, coupled with the Torah convicting us of our sin, leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. One of the verses we read last week showing Messiah is the goal of the Torah was Psalm 40. Let's read it again now. Sacrifice and meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, behold, I come. In the scroll of the Torah it is written of me. I delight to do your will. O my God, your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord. You know I have not hidden your right, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. You, O Lord, will not withhold compassion from me. Your loving kindness and your truth will continually preserve me. Yeshua is the righteousness of God, the mercy of God, and the grace of God made manifest in the world. And if you find him and you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be justified before God and you'll be saved. Amen.